more is not better. More interventions, more monitoring, it's not better. We have to use the interventions and monitoring that we have for the right circumstances appropriately. But more is not better. As I stated earlier with the continuous monitoring, having more information is not always something that's going to give better outcomes. It actually may make us do other things that are not necessary and it can create worse outcomes. Giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being Jewish also has me exploring Judaism's influence on the reproductive experience. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthway Podcast. Welcome to episode 62 of the Happy Birthway Podcast. I really appreciate you showing up time and time again to every single episode of this podcast just to listen to me rant. This episode sure is going to be a rant. I don't think it's going to be a rant, but it, it's, it's you know, I have a lot to say and it's been bubbling up inside of me for quite some weeks. So I, I'm not really great at being current on things. So this is going to be a rant on something that happened a few weeks ago. Multiple people sent me an article uh, in messages on Instagram that uh, was published in AMI. And the title of that article is Heartbreaking Home Births. Um, And I read it and like immediately I started feeling so much well up inside me. Just, you know, I get very passionate about this stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, no, and no, and no. You know, it's like when I watch movies and I see the births that happen in the movies and or any like medical dramas or whatever I'm just like I stop watching them because there's so much misinformation and it's like ridiculously inaccurate um and so I want to take apart this article I'm not going to name the author um this this author actually works for um or maybe even is she's the co-founder of an organization that helps people and I'm sure that the author is very well intentioned this is not a criticism against her uh, per se, but this is rather just bringing education and awareness to people who may have read this article and um, are left feeling confused. Um, And just this article is a lot of misinformation. So I want to I want to be there to educate you as usual and give you the real deal, okay? So, um, like I said, the title is Heartbreaking Home Births, A Passionate Plea to Mothers to Be. And um, this author is a co-founder of a special organization that helps people with medical referrals. And uh, she's also the director of research and referrals. So, you know, director of research, I don't know exactly what that means. Usually from a scientific standpoint, from a healthcare place, medical place, usually somebody who's a director of research has some form of credentials, you know, to do actual research. Um, There are, the author does not have any credentials stated on the article. Um, So I'm going to start reading parts of this 
article and I will stop and I will say my piece. And if anybody wants, you know, at first I was like, oh, should I write a letter in? Should I write to Ami and say, oh, I would like to write a whole article? I was like, you know what? It's too much effort for me. I just rather blab here on the mic and put it up on the podcast platforms. And if anybody wants to write a letter to Ami Living or, you know, email them and just say, hey, come listen to Hani's podcast and hear the real deal. Maybe they'll reach out to me and ask me to write an article for them because I'm not opposed. I would actually love to do it. I just can't do the whole outreach situation. Um, but you can also just even write a letter and say, hey guys, so listen to Hani's podcast. If you read this article and she has a different take from her professional expertise. Um, Okay, so before I even start, I just wanna bring to your attention something. So like I said, the author here does not have any credentials after her name. Whenever you read anything, anywhere, and today we are in the age of super information, just stop for a second first and look at who is putting out the information and what their qualifications and expertise are to put the information out that they are putting out. Because you should be doubtful if they do not have expertise in a certain you know, area. That's not to say that they can't be saying things that are the truth. And that's not to say that maybe they are well-researched. But if something feels off, then always look at the credentials. So it starts, the call came into this agency on a busy morning a few months ago. A mother needed advice regarding the treatment of her newborn who was in the NICU. I started to take a history symptoms prognosis i asked about the birth the mother suddenly choked up and couldn't speak i waited she sobbed in bits and pieces the story came out her sister-in-law had talked her into delivering her baby at home with a midwife she had seemed like the perfect candidate for a home birth she had already had four babies in the hospital with no complications her labor progressed well every few minutes the midwife checked the baby's heartbeat on a handheld fetal doppler In the hospital, the baby's heartbeat would have been monitored continuously. Okay, so I'm going to stop right here and let you know that continuous monitoring has actually not been shown to be any more beneficial. This is my first criticism of this article. It has not been shown to be any more beneficial than intermittent auscultation which is what the midwife was doing in a home birth. And I'm speaking from the perspective of a labor and delivery nurse. So I'm not telling you, you know, as an, I'm not, I'm not posing right now as an expert on home birth. I'm not an expert on home birth. I've learned a lot. Um, You know, we have some episodes talking about it, but I'm not the expert. I'm coming here as a labor and delivery nurse at a hospital And I am telling you what truly really goes on at a hospital and what the research is and what practices are, okay? So this article writes a lot of things that make it appear as if certain things happen or don't happen in a hospital or at home in a home birth, and that's not true. So firstly, continuous monitoring has not been shown to be any more beneficial than intermittent auscultation for low-risk mothers with no, you know, intervention such as an epidural as... As a matter of fact, um, in Canada, even with an epidural, they do intermittent auscultation for low-risk mothers. And there's a protocol for that. It's listening to the baby's heartbeat um, after after contra- you know each contraction for um, usually about 
usually about every 15 minutes for at least a minute and counting it and just um, noticing certain patterns in the heartbeat as well. And it is a handheld Doppler, which means that it cannot be strapped onto a mother's belly. And so whoever's taking care of the mother cannot just leave the room, um, you know, for hours at a time and watch a screen, which is very often what happens in a hospital where the mother's strapped onto a monitor. So there's continuous monitoring outside on a computer screen and she may not see a nurse or anybody for more than an hour or two, possibly, potentially. Whereas if we are doing a fetal monitoring every 15 minutes with a handheld Doppler, there has to be a professional that is caring for the mother that is trained in this and qualified to do this with the mother. And so not only are they providing her with support and care, but they are assessing her at the same time and they are seeing her much more frequently so they can detect changes. One other interesting tidbit of information is that continuous monitoring not only has it been shown to not have had any um, benefit over intermittent auscultation for newborn outcomes. It has been shown, continuous monitoring has been shown to only increase the cesarean section rate, the C-section rate. That is one thing that it has done. And that's why over the past bunch of decades, when it was first instituted, the C-section rate shot up. No coincidence here. Okay. Um, and C-sections, not only are they major surgery, but they will impact um, future pregnancies and births as well. So there's a lot to unpack here just with, you know, C-sections are no simple matter. And um, intermittent auscultation is used in hospitals as well. Okay. All right, what happens next? The midwife noticed that the baby's heart rate had dropped below 100 and she tried to intervene. She changed the mother's position and encouraged her to breathe. When the baby's heart rate continued to drop, the midwife called Hatsawa, EMS. It took Hatsawa three minutes to get to her house and another eight minutes to transport her to the hospital for an emergency C-section. The baby needed resuscitation immediately after birth. He had frequent seizures and was unable to suck properly. His MRI showed severe brain damage. The mother cried. Why didn't anyone tell me? Okay. So, whoa, 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 whoa. There's so much to unpack. Firstly, it sounds like what this baby got is something called HIE. I don't know for sure, but what it stands for is hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy. And basically, that is a clinical way of saying he suffered brain damage um, that is very likely happened from labor and from not receiving enough oxygen in labor. Let me tell you something. And, and you know, HIE, I am, as you many of you know, a, a nurse expert witness for attorneys. And the most common lawsuits, cases that I review are ones of babies who suffered HIE. And guess where those babies were born? Not at home. Not a single one of them were born at home. They were all born at a hospital with mismanaged care. So let's just put it out there that HIE happens in hospitals as well. And oftentimes it's because the care was not provided to the patient that was up to standard. And a lot of times it happened from Pitocin, which is something that is 
way overused in hospitals. And this Pitocin was not administered responsibly and therefore it caused the baby to have too much stress from the contractions and it caused HIE, okay? So let's just get that part out there. These births happened in hospitals and these babies suffered HIE. Secondly, it's not just about a baby's heartbeat dropping. Babies' heartbeats drop all the time in labor. Healthy, normal babies, it's an expectation. There are a lot of other characteristics that we're looking at, however. And if we would be doing C-sections for every single baby whose heartbeat dropped, then we would probably have like an 85% C-section rate. Okay, so let's put that out there. Also, I don't know what happened before this incident, but usually there is warning ahead of time. You know, babies start to slowly deteriorate. It's pretty rare for an event to be super acute without some other cause like a uh, you know, a, pl- a placenta that abrupted or whatever. It's definitely possible. I'm not saying it's not, but um, usually there's warning ahead of time. And I just want to tell you, and this is statistics, this is true research. Most transfers um, from home to hospital happen because of uh, labor not progressing or because the mother wants an epidural. Very few of them are actually emergency transfers, okay? This is research-based, actually. And the reason why I'm telling you all this is because, let me read the next paragraph. This is the author writing, I cried with her, tears of pain for this Zara, but also tears of frustration because a Yiddish life was endangered again. So it is not endangering somebody if they make an informed decision, if they weigh the risks and benefits of hospital birth and home birth for their particular circumstance. And I'm sorry if I'm repeating something you already know from me from the past 61 episodes of this podcast that I have done. But if you are using a qualified home birth midwife who knows what they're doing and who knows that who deems you a good candidate and who knows when it's time to transfer who watches the signs you are not endangering yourself if you choose to do that you are not because you can also be endangering yourself in a hospital there are dangers in both places and ultimately it's risk benefit it's a personal decision that happens for many different reasons next paragraph Four babies, one mother, all in the last six months. Five families who can never go back to okay. Five families who have something in common. They opted for home birth and it went badly. There are also many families, then this is my this is me talking, not the article. There are also many families who opted for hospital births that went badly. And it was because they did not have appropriate treatment in the hospital. It was maybe because their treatment was mismanaged, maybe because their nurse made a severe mistake that caused damage to them, maybe because there were interventions that were introduced that were not necessary, and those interventions had bad side effects. So you can be in danger in both places. And I'm not saying this to scare anyone. What I'm doing is is I'm saying that fear-mongering is not the right way to go. We have to talk actual information and actual statistics because there's no 
perfect decision. Neither place is 100% safe. For different people, different places are safer. Okay, next paragraph. At, and this is the agency that, uh, you know, does all of their good work, which again, I believe they do. So at this agency, we get hundreds of calls every day with requests for referrals, insurance advocacy, advice, expediting appointments, and other services. We have a finger on the pulse of the community, and we're alarmed by this trend. So I need to say you may have a finger on the pulse of the community, but you are inadequately um, educated on a lot of things, and maybe you should consider creating an advisory board of experts in each of these disciplines because this article is evidence that there's a lot of information that you're missing. The things that you do are great. I'm sure that they are, but you also need to have a panel, an advisory board of experts in all the areas that you are you know, helping people in. That is the responsible thing to do. Okay, the article goes on. It sounds like a lovely experience, a delivery in the comfort of home with a midwife in attendance, maybe some music, ambiance, soft lighting. By the way, you can have all of those in a hospital too. Sidebar, that was me talking. Okay, article continues. No one likes to be hospitalized, especially since COVID turned hospitals into isolation boards. Some women stated that when their doctors advised that they deliver by C-section because their prior C-sections put them at risk, they were tempted to try for a natural delivery by staying out of the hospital. Uh, first of all, it's a vaginal delivery. If you could say C-section, then it's vaginal, but don't get me started. I know that the magazines are never going to put that word in. Um, but uh, it's just a pet peeve of mine that I have to say. But um, yeah, so if somebody had multiple C-sections, they're likely really a bad candidate. And again, I'm I'm generalizing here. I can't go into specifics of everything, but probably most of them are terrible home birth candidates. So if they have a midwife that is qualified and knows what they're doing, the midwife is going to say, I'm sorry, but the safest place for you is in the hospital. I'm just saying that, okay? 99% of these people. Okay, back to the article. In most home births, mother and baby are perfectly fine. Maybe even 999 out of 1,000 times. But what about that one in 1,000 who isn't fine? What about that one in 1,000 who isn't fine in the hospital too? And there's more than one in 1,000. People argue, that was me talking by the way again. Sorry that I have to keep saying that. People argue that hospital births can be dangerous too. Yep. That some mothers and babies don't make it safely through birth even under a doctor's care. Now, I just need to go back and say that in the beginning when she said that this woman opted for a home birth, she said a home birth with a midwife, and now she's writing in the hospital under a doctor's care. The dichotomy just strikes me um, because, again, this is spreading misinformation. Midwives are actually the experts on normal physiological birth. That is what they spend the majority of their time learning about. Doctors spend the majority of their time learning about all the complications and how to help fix those. But midwives are the experts on actually how the process unfolds on its own with no intervention or with little intervention. I'm just putting that out there also, okay? Um, and midwives are so extremely qualified. It just, it bothers me, even under a doctor's care. I don't like that. All right, next. In a decade of work as a patient advocate, I've heard many heartbreaking stories of babies born prematurely or with a genetic disorder. Okay, and so what? Like though that that we we know that 
that baby is needs to be born in a hospital. Like there's no there's no question about that. You know, uh, we're talking here about the babies that don't have these pre-existing things that we know about. Um, and we're talking about babies that are presumed to be healthy with, when the mother's pregnant with them. So again, I, I don't understand what that's saying. Next, here's the difference. When people have done everything in their power to ensure a good outcome and something goes wrong, they don't look back and blame themselves. Hashem is in charge. We know this is true in all cases, but the women who took matters into their own hands are often plagued by guilt. So firstly, doing everything doesn't mean giving birth in a hospital. Doing everything in your power to ensure a good outcome means so many things. It means listening to this podcast and educating yourself. It also means using a qualified provider and using the research and evidence-based medicine, which I'm sorry to say many doctors and hospitals do not follow, that's what that's what doing everything in your power means. And for some women, doing everything in their power, a home birth would be the right choice for them because research shows that it can be very safe in many circumstances. And sometimes there are better outcomes because... Home birth midwives have a much lower C-section rate than the hospitals can boast. Their C-section rate is 10 to 15% usually, which is about what the World Health Organization recommends. So going to a hospital, C-sections are major surgery and they have their own implications. More is not better. More interventions, more monitoring, it's not better. We have to use the interventions and monitoring that we have for the right circumstances appropriately. But more is not better. As I stated earlier with the continuous monitoring, having more information is not always something that's going to give better outcomes. It actually may make us do other things that are not necessary and it can create worse outcomes. We only have the science and the research that we have today and that's what we go off of and that's true hishtalus. That's your true effort that you put into it. You know, sometimes people will call me in my community to discuss a provider, choosing a provider and, you know, who I know. I've worked in several hospitals so I kind of get a feel for different providers and try to help them um, decide and fit them. I never decide for them but, you know, try to kind of um, suggest several for them to look into and I always tell them at the end of the conversation that I can tell you, you know, the best hospital and the best best doctor or the best midwife, and I'm saying best in a lot of quotes, because at the end of the day, you, Davin, that you come on a day when the doctor or midwife is fresh and thinking the most clear, when you come on a day where it's not understaffed, when there are not too many patients, when, when you know, there's so many different variables. There's so many different variables, and that's where davening comes into play. You just never know how things are going to turn out and how things are going to go and what's going to be around and what's going to be available. And that's your that's your job to dive in that all of that goes well because there's no guarantees ever. As this article, we do, I do agree with the author on that. There's no guarantees and you have to do everything in your power. But doing everything in your power doesn't mean giving birth in a hospital with a doctor. You don't know if that doctor is good. You don't know if the hospital is good. And even if it's the best hospital and the best doctor, it may not turn out good if God wants it that way. So, yes, Hashem is in charge. 
I, I want to go back. But women who took matters into their own hands are often plagued by guilt. We all take matters into our own hands. Our health is in our own hands. We educate ourselves. We choose a doctor or midwife. We choose the setting of birth. And it's a huge responsibility that Hashem placed in our hands. But it's our responsibility. And many times choosing a qualified midwife to give birth at home is a responsible thing to do. I have to also say that most of the time, you know, from this is anecdotal, but from the people that I know who actually choose home birth, they're very well researched in a lot of things. They are well educated and they really think about it. Whereas the majority of people who give birth in a hospital, they you know, they just go with the flow. They, they, this is like the default and that's it. And then, you know, most of, not most, but I'm going to say uh, too many don't even educate themselves and they just think, okay, the doctor will tell me what to do when I get to the hospital. There are going to have to be decisions that are going to have to be made and you should be able to be making those decisions because it's not black and white. But if you don't educate yourself, those decisions will be made for you. And you will second guess it if the outcome is not right and the outcome is not a good outcome. And you may make, you know, use your best judgment together with your doctor or midwife and still the outcome may not be good. That's unpredictable. That's what's in God's hands. Before we continue, I wanted to let you know about a revolutionary diaper brand called Diaper, D-Y-P-E-R. These eco-friendly diapers are made with viscose from bamboo, so they're soft on your baby's skin while still being extra absorbent to handle your baby's biggest accidents. Diaper wants to pass on the savings directly to you by cutting out the middleman. They ship your diapers to you for a low, predictable price with no extras or gotchas. Set your subscription and let them deliver the exact quantity you need. If you need more, they'll deliver them promptly with their exclusive SOS service. If you need less, send them back with a prepaid label. You can precisely manage your deliveries using their website or their mobile app. One of the products that I think is really cool is their Diaper Sense. It's a small sensor that you attach to your baby's diaper and it continuously monitors the temperature and humidity surrounding their skin. It will help you optimize your diaper changes, reduce overall diaper use, and may help reduce instances of skin rash due to prolonged exposure to moisture. All you do is snap it to the outside of the diaper and connect it to diapers app. It will notify you when number one or number two happens. Subscribe through the link in my show notes and you will get a free bonus diaper bag just for trying them out. You can cancel any time with no obligation, but still keep the bag. If you have been struggling with nausea and vomiting from your pregnancy, Emmaterm might be the answer for you. Emmaterm is a safe and effective anti-nausea wristband that prevents and relieves nausea and vomiting induced by pregnancy or motion, such as car and boat rides. It releases a low-frequency pulse that travels through the body's nervous system to the part of the brain which controls the stomach. This interrupts the nausea signal pathways. Emmaterm is FDA cleared and designed to put you in control when you need drug-free therapy with no worries about potential side effects. 
Users can choose from five levels of intensity to achieve the best effect. The unique wristband design holds the device in place and makes it easy to put on and take off. It is FSA and HSA eligible, comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and a one-year warranty. Go to emeterm.com, that's E-M-E-T-E-R-M.com, and use code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 20% off of your purchase. You can find the link in the episode show notes. All right, so now she's talking about the recent cases she's going to write about, and I'm wondering if those were the four or five, you know, uh, people that she mentioned in the last six months. Okay, so let's hear the different situations. And I'm going to tell you, as a labor and delivery nurse in a hospital, what would happen in these situations in a hospital, and from what I know, what also goes on in a home birth. Okay, what's the first one? A baby born at home got sick with groupie strep. In the hospital, expectant mothers are checked for groupie strep and treated if necessary. By the way, she didn't write groupie strep. She wrote strep B, which again, it's, you know, I mean, we all know what she means. But groupie strep is the correct clinical term. And if you're dealing with medical things, you should know that. So please use the appropriate clinical terminology. Okay, what's the, what's, you know, unfortunately, she writes that the baby died. So here's the terrible, terrible misconception. She is creating this misconception that people who choose to use a midwife that is qualified and well-trained to attend their birth at home, she's creating this misconception that they don't get any of the lab work done, they don't get any of the testing done, and that couldn't be further from the truth. They probably will get way fewer ultrasounds done, that's for sure. And we all know also that a lot of the ultrasounds that are done just create more problems if they're overdone. They're not necessary for every single visit that you go to the doctor for. You know, they're not necessary um, to guesstimate the weight oftentimes at the end. And they're really inaccurate in doing that. And they can just scare you and they can just scare doctors into giving unnecessary C-sections. So they can do that. Okay, again, like I said, more doesn't mean better. But all of the basic prenatal testing, the lab work that's done to test for the blood type, to test for iron levels, to test for STDs, um, the swabs done, the genetic screening, all of that is offered by a qualified home birth midwife as well. And if it's not, that's your red flag right there then that is a midwife you should not be using. And it just makes me upset because all I can see is is people reading this article and then knowing relatives and friends and whatever who had home births and just like thinking, wow, you're so unsafe, you're not even getting testing done. And guess what? Home birth midwives also have antibiotics that they will um, give a patient who has groupie strep and they can give those antibiotics while the patient is in labor in the same way that the patient would get them in the hospital. And P.S., sadly, unfortunately, I know a patient that had tested group B strep positive and there was neglect in her care and she did not receive the antibiotics that she should have in labor because the staff was not monitoring her appropriately and was were not in her room for a lot of the busy night and her labor went fast and sadly she did not receive the antibiotics and her baby indeed got also very sick and died. And the ironic thing is, is that somebody who's giving birth at home they have their birth attendant all to themselves. There's no nurse that's running in and out of the room that also is responsible for another patient. There's no, the, the doctor has multiple patients, maybe doing other surgeries. 
the midwife, you know, same thing, not surgeries, but other births and seeing, you know, other patients and whatever. When somebody is having a home birth, their birth attendants, and it's not just a midwife that attends the birth, it's always at least one other person, if not two other people. They're all there literally just for the woman who is in labor and giving birth. She has that entire team to herself. So it's interesting because in this case, unfortunately, this person that I know who lost her baby, um, you know, it was a busy night and the staff wasn't watching her and seeing that her labor was really progressing quickly. And so she didn't get the necessary antibiotics. Okay, Um, what is the next story that she writes? A baby born at home went into cardiac arrest and survived with brain damage. I don't know anything about the history over there, so I really cannot speak to it. Did this woman opt not to get tested and maybe there was some heart condition um, that she didn't know about? Uh, Because testing, you know, certain routine testing is important because if we can detect that there is a problem, then it's really important to choose the setting of the birth. If it was discovered that a baby had some cardiac defect, then the mother would be advised to give birth in a level four NICU center where they could do heart surgery. Um, and so I, I don't know what the history is here that the baby went to, you know, into cardiac arrest and why and survived with brain damage. But that sentence right there is massive fear mongering because there's no other information given. And why did the baby go into cardiac arrest? Was it because of malpractice? Did, was whoever taking care of the baby not qualified? I, I don't know what the background is, so I cannot speak on that. What's the next story? A baby born at home didn't get the vitamin K shot that is administered routinely in hospitals to prevent blood clots. Actually, not to prevent blood clots. It actually is a clotting factor that the baby doesn't make. And should the baby have excessive bleeding, the baby needs that clotting factor. So it's actually the opposite of what uh, the author here is writing. And not only that, but guess what? I have patients that refuse the vitamin K injection in the hospital. And guess what else? Midwives who give birth at home administer the vitamin K injection to their patients' babies at home. So it really makes me upset because this entire sentence is completely inaccurate. The misinformation here is rampant. Um, And then she goes to say that this baby had a brain bleed when she was two days old. So um, that is terrible. And vitamin K is a very um, vital and important medication that we can give a baby because they don't make it in the first seven days of life, hence why the bris is on day eight. I have patients who, uh, this this happened to a patient's baby who uh, the patient dropped her baby. She refused vitamin K and then she dropped her baby and the baby had uh, a brain bleed. Um, and it was scary. I think the baby turned out okay in the end, but this happens in the hospital too. And It's really upsetting to me that she's implying here that babies who are born at home don't get the vitamin K injection. They most certainly do. Um, But again, you can't force anybody to get anything that they don't want. So I'm guessing that people, a good percentage of people that opt to give birth at home are anti-establishment and uh, maybe suspicious with medications and vaccines and things like that. And everyone needs to do their own research for themselves. But These are the people that are probably more likely to reject the vitamin K injection and such. And nobody can force anybody to take medications that that they decline or to, you know, have interventions or procedures that they decline. So I don't know, you know, could have been the care was the, the midwife was amazing in this home birth, but the mother refused the vitamin K injection. The midwife can't jab the baby without consent. 
Okay, what's the next story? A woman who delivered seven children with no complications hemorrhaged while delivering her baby at home. The midwife couldn't stem the bleeding. Hatsawa came and tried to stabilize her. She ended up having a hysterectomy and was on a ventilator for weeks. This is a terrible, terrible, terrible story. And I want to say that midwives have an entire stock of several different medications for uh, postpartum hemorrhage. Those are the same medications that would be given in the hospital initially, and those are the same steps and interventions that are taken in the hospital in the beginning initially as well. And so, yes, in some rare cases, it may happen that there's like a severe hemorrhage, like, you know, in five minutes or whatever, really quickly after birth. But most of the time, there's enough time to assess and figure out that this patient needs to be transferred. And again, a qualified home birth midwife will know that she needs to be transferred. And also, unfortunately, there are patients that we have in the hospital that hemorrhage tremendously as well. Um, And it's not either it's not picked up as quickly or we don't just have an operating room sitting and open and ready and waiting and doctors and everybody just sitting and open and ready and everything is just waiting so that if a hemorrhage happens, then, you know, we're all open and, and, and anesthesia and everybody. That all takes time to get together as well. And anybody that's transferred through an ambulance, the the hospital is actually notified in advance about what's happening. So the staff does have time to get things prepared. Now, I'm not saying anything is perfect. And yes, there is a chance that care might be delayed. And that's when a woman has to take all this into consideration when she is making her decision. There is um, a possibility of, of a delaying care, but there is, uh, are other positive possibilities that are more likely to happen from a home birth that would, um, you know, create a situation for somebody to choose it. People who choose a home birth, it's not because of music and ambience and soft lighting. Okay, that's not why somebody wants a home birth most of the time. They want a home birth for multiple other reasons. A lot of times there's trauma involved. A lot of times they had unnecessary interventions or a poor outcome because of malpractice on the healthcare team's part. And they want to avoid that because now they're absolutely terrified or they have a family member that it happened to. People don't choose home birth because they want music, ambience, and lighting. You can actually get most of that in the hospital too. She continues to write, it's anecdotal. It's a small number. It's a whole life, a whole world every time. And that is 100% true that it is anecdotal right now and she's not quoting any research. And like I said, you have to make choices based on the best information that you have and anecdotal information is the worst information you can have. So basing off of your advice off of anecdotal information is wrong. It's inaccurate. Let's get on. When we get medical insurance, we do so in the hope that we'll never need it for anything major, but we're aware of the what if. The same what if applies to an experience as natural as childbirth. What if the mother needs an emergency C-section to save her life or her baby's life? What if the baby needs immediate intubation? So first of all, let's break down with a C-section. It's very rare to have like a stat C-section where the baby is delivered in 5-10 minutes with no forewarning. A lot of people will feel like it was an emergency C-section when in fact it was something that, you know, needed to happen, you know, sooner rather than later. And usually when we make a decision that a patient needs a C-section, we don't delay. We do everything that we need to do right away, even if it's something that's not like tremendously life-threatening. But the patient needs to have their baby via C-section. If that's a decision that's made, then we get everything in motion and we go. We don't waste any time. And so 
it's rare to have an emergency C-section with no prior warning. Usually there's some kind of warning. There's meconium. There's some other signs in the baby's heart rate. Like I said, we're looking for a lot of different characteristics. So I will do another episode, you know, detailing that more. But even with intermittent auscultation, you'll hear those characteristics earlier on and you'll get the patient transferred. But most of the time, Home birth transfers are not because of emergency C-sections. And emergency C-sections can actually be delayed as well in a hospital. Like I said, everyone is not just standing there in an open operating room ready for everything to go. You know, anesthesiologists may be in another surgery. The doctor may be seeing patients in the office and needs 30 minutes to get to a hospital. Yes, there are some hospitals like that. They may be short-staffed with nurses or uh, surgical staff. Being in a hospital is not an insurance for, you know, getting that emergency C-section according to standard of care. Now, what's the next thing? What if the baby needs immediate intubation? Actually, the baby does not need immediate intubation. The only reason why a baby would need immediate intubation is if there is a congenital defect of their um, trachea and the esophagus, there's something actually called a diaphragmatic hernia where the diaphragm doesn't form correctly. And, um, you know, in a, in a case like this, they would need the immediate intubation, but we know ahead of time, this is something that's usually seen on an ultrasound and we would know ahead of time and the patient would be advised to give birth in a special center that has capabilities. And um, there would be an entire neonatal team ready to do that intubation. Otherwise, the neonatal resuscitation protocol That is something that home birth midwives are trained in. It's the same exact thing that I'm trained in as a hospital labor and delivery nurse. And the steps are the same and they are not immediate intubation, okay? And again, we're looking at a lot of different things beforehand of baby's heart rate characteristics and such. And babies will still need resuscitation. The majority of them will be okay, the babies that need resuscitation. But after, you know, there there are signs when you see like, okay, I don't like this baby's tone. It's been five minutes. Let's get the ambulance and let's get the baby going. They will continue the resuscitation. You can still give baby a baby breaths without a tube inserted into them. Okay. Um, And again, yes, there may be a small chance that that the baby's care might be delayed by a little bit, but there are other benefits to home births. And you can go back and listen to those episodes to understand, you know, every detail of them. But the hospital is not an insurance for that. All right. Next. There's nothing that matters more to me than helping people. It's in my DNA. And I understand that. And and that's why I hope I don't come off like, listen, I get very passionate about this stuff. I hope I don't come off as mean. Um, but these are just things that I need to point out were incorrect in this article. And if the author does hear me talking or someone who knows her, then just understand that, um, you know, learning this information hopefully will help you help people more than you are already. Um, but it, you got to be careful not to cause further harm. As a child, I watched my grandfather, a Holocaust survivor, put tremendous effort into rebuilding Am Yisrael. He met with politicians and raised funds before Askin was a common word. He'd give his shirt if he if it would help someone. And I truly do see your uh, passion coming through um, to help other people. I really do see that. 
I've always been fascinated by biology and enjoy reading medical journals. I'm awed by the wonder of life. When I was a young mother, my twin nephews were born prematurely and had severe medical complications. In the process of helping my own family, I recognize how important it is for people in medical crisis to have support. And that is so true. And there are so many amazing organizations, Jewish organizations, and I'm sure this one as well, that helps people in many, many ways. We just also have to make sure not to harm people by spreading misinformation. 11 years ago, I met somebody whose 13 year old son died of a brain tumor and you know she too was determined to make sure that no one would struggle with illness alone and together they founded this organization and so that's why they're asking you to think about this seriously okay the, this is this is me rephrasing what they wrote um, and then their director of OBGYN referrals um, explains Quote, open quote, a woman may talk about her home birth experience in such rosy terms that it becomes enticing. Just one of these success stories can lead many women to consider it. They figure, for generations, in Derheim, this is how it was done. What could go wrong? But in Derheim, many mothers and babies didn't survive childbirth. Healthy mothers, healthy babies, we take it for granted, but it's a miracle. And part of that miracle is that the mother and the child can be monitored, and a medical team can be on hand in case of an emergency. Having a fussy, nonstop crying baby can take all the joy out of motherhood. Is it gas? Is it constipation? Is it colic? It's hard to know, but there is a solution for all of those. Happy Tummy is a waistband that comes with an herbal pouch. When you microwave the pouch and apply the waistband to your fussy baby, your baby is instantly soothed. That's thanks to natural formulation of herbs, including flaxseed, chamomile, lemongrass, peppermint, spearmint, and lavender. Happy Tummy is all natural, no drugs or drops. And not only does it quickly soothe your baby, but it smells terrific. Happy Tummy also has adult-sized waistbands, which mothers love for cramps, stomach aches, and back aches. Use my code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 10% off your whole order on HappyTummy.com. That's H-A-P-P-I-T-U-M-M-I.com. Code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 10% off. Kiwi Co. Crates are a monthly subscription of crates that come filled with age-appropriate STEAM projects for kids, from toddlers to teenagers and even adults. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. Every crate explores a different theme designed to spark creativity, thinking, and learning. All projects, inspiration, and activities are created by a team of product designers in-house and rigorously tested by kids. KiwiCo offers all different product lines spanning a variety of interests and age ranges. Panda Crate is for babies from 0 to 24 months. Each crate helps babies learn by doing what they do best, playing, exploring, and most importantly, interacting with the people in their lives. Crates arrive every other month and are filled with two months worth of content. So if you're trying to figure out what a developmentally appropriate way to interact with your baby is, Panda Crates will take the guesswork out. For an exclusive 30% off discount on your first month subscription, go to KiwiCo.com, that's K-I-W-I-C-O.com, and enter code LEARN30 at checkout. That's KiwiCo.com, code LEARN30 at checkout. The funny thing to me is, is that, you know, when somebody hears about a home birth, uh, she writes that it could become enticing. <laughs> I think I'm speaking to many of you here and you're like, home birth? What? No way. I want my epidural. So it's just funny to me because I would think that for many people, it's not enticing in the least bit. They, they'd be like, what? what? Why was it so nice for you? So, you know, you didn't have an epidural. <laughs> um, but yes, obviously for those who do not want to have an epidural, 
Um, I can see, yes, how it can be enticing, but make sure you're taking um, somebody, make sure you're using a midwife that's truly qualified. And one of these success stories, you know, can lead women to consider it. Yes. And in many cases, it's appropriate for them to consider it. And I agree with her 100% in their time is, you know, it's not the way we should do things because thank God today we have so many more resources and so much more science and research and technology, but we have to make sure to use it in the right balance. And a lot of these interventions come with risks and side effects that you have to be careful about. And unfortunately, the outcomes in our country and the United States are absolutely terrible. So... We're doing something wrong here, okay? And we have a lot of hospital births. Okay, next. Um, she talks about, you know, healthy mothers and babies. We take it for granted. We should never take it for granted. We should thank Hashem when everything turns out well. And giving birth at home is not taking it for granted. You have a midwife that is there just for you. You are their only customer. They are watching you and assessing you. They're not strapping you onto a monitor and watching a computer screen outside. One of many. That's what's happening a lot of times in the hospital. It's very easy for me as a nurse to just strap my patient on and sit outside and watch the monitor. Much easier than having to go in every 15 minutes to listen to my patient's baby's heartbeat. Now, I make it a point to go in more frequently, um, even if my patient is continuously monitored, which they are the majority of the time. But not every nurse is trained to do so, and it's not the culture in every hospital. And there's really something to be said about seeing your patient and laying your hands on them. And using intermittent auscultation forces you to do that. She writes here, part of that miracle is that the mother and the child can be monitored and a medical team can be on hand in case of an emergency. Can be monitored? What does that mean, can be monitored? They need to be appropriately monitored. Too much monitoring, going to look for things that you don't need to find are unnecessary and it can actually cause more harm. It can cause unnecessary C-sections and other unnecessary interventions. Hashem commanded us and he gave us the means to do so. As Yedin, we know that the value of life, we know, I'm sorry, we know the value of life. I've seen people fight so hard, spare no effort, even traveling across the world if there's potential for a treatment to heal. After all, what won't we do as parents for the well-being of our children? And that really upsets me because this is mom shaming. When a woman is pregnant and having a baby, there are two people's health to consider, the mother's health and the baby's health. And there are, again, different risks and benefits to all the different settings. And even when you're in a hospital, there are risks and benefits that you have to consider where an intervention may benefit the mother and um, put the baby at risk or vice versa, benefit the baby but put the mother at risk. And that's a hard choice to make. And sometimes a mother has to choose her own health over her baby's own health. I'm not saying it completely cancels it out. I'm just saying mother may make choices that may put her in front of her child to keep her alive and well for her other children that are existing or for whatever reason. It's not black and white, so let's stop with the mom shaming. Okay, I know that this was quite a fiery, feisty episode on my part. If I came off as mean, derogatory, critical, please understand that that is not my intention. 
I just get very fiery when I see misinformation spread. Um, you know, given the things that I know, it just makes me really, really, really upset because it can lead to harm. It can lead to harm in many ways. And this is not saying that home birth is the right choice for everyone at all. And it's not going to be the right choice for most. Only 1% or like 1.5% or whatever, under 2% of births happen at home. And in many ways, the outcomes are better for many people at home. And yeah, if anyone wants to write to Ami and just, you know, drop my podcast name, the Happy Birthway Podcast, it'd give me great exposure. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I'd be happy to write an article if you want me to, but I'm just so exhausted I can can just transcribe this entire episode and then we'll put it into an article, right? Anyway, friends, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to my rant. I would love to hear your feedback. I would actually please encourage you to call my hotline. That is 203-759-8639, 203-759-8639. Call in, leave a voicemail with your opinion, and I will put your voice on my podcast. Or if you have any questions related to pregnancy, birth, or anything else that you might think appropriate to put on the podcast, I would love to. So 203-759-8639. And um, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice in the actual audio and not just, um, you know, your messages and emails, which I also appreciate so much, and your ratings and reviews, which again, I also appreciate so much. I actually just, I got a beautiful email from someone that I meant to read on this episode, and I'm just remembering now. I will read it if you're the one who emailed me um, about your child getting sick with the same condition that my daughter had. That's you. I will read it next week. It was just so heartwarming and amazing. And I'm sorry, I actually haven't replied through email. It's just because life is busy and I thought I was going to put it on my um, episode two episodes ago. So sorry, it's still not out. But um, I will read that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful email. God willing, with the next episode. And until next time, friends, make sure to share this podcast with one other person this week. Take it upon yourself, please. I don't mind if you do five other people or 10 or 100 other people, but if you could just do one other person, that would really, really, really mean a lot to me. Thanks for tuning into the Happy Birthway Podcast. Head over to Yolwedit Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes, as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience.